Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. I hope I'm going swimming too. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, Hope, hope is all around. And there are many chords we could strike when it comes to thinking about our stewardship. But all season long, we're going to strike that chord of, of hope about how we live in response, generous lives, because of the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. As, as Christians, our hope, it rests in the firm foundation that Christ has conquered the grave, that our sins are forgiven, and that God is busy creating a new world that is marked by grace and peace. And so that's the, that's the vision of where we're headed the next few weeks. And today's message is because hope abounds, because hope abounds, we are called to share the resurrection story. So because hope abounds, we share the good news of the resurrection. But first, we have to wade through a parable in Luke chapter 16. This parable that I read moments earlier is a parable that undoubtedly has the power to make us uncomfortable. In fact, it's supposed to. There's a temptation um, that we feel, especially as Lutherans, to to kind of massage every hard teaching of Jesus um, and to wrap it up in a bow, a pretty little bow of grace, right? That's a temptation today. But when Jesus told this parable on his path of ministry towards Jerusalem, he intended for it to make his audience feel uncomfortable. And why does it make us feel uncomfortable? Because we firmly believe, and rightly so, that our salvation, our salvation is secured by Christ alone. Not through any act of our own, not through any act of obedience or charitable work, not through our generous living, but our salvation is secure because while we were yet sinners, while we were yet far off, Christ died for us. He conquered the grave through the cross and an empty tomb. And as Lutherans, as children of the Reformation, we proclaim that message loud and clear, right? Right? Yes, yes, yes. But this teaching of Jesus is used by some, by some Christians to preach a hellfire and brimstone message, right? But we need to remember as we approach Luke chapter 16, this teaching of Jesus, that this is a parable of Jesus. Jesus isn't here telling an actual story about an actual rich man and about an actual man named Lazarus. He's telling a parable. He's telling a parable. So these are characters that Jesus is, is, is fashioning together to illustrate a greater point. And now the parables of Jesus, the parables of Jesus are meant to disrupt. Parables are designed to disrupt normal thinking, right? They're designed to elicit a response in people. And so keep that in mind. So Jesus begins to explain as he turns to his disciples and Pharisees who we know are nearby and all of those traveling with him along the road. 
And he tells this parable about a rich man who feasts sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor beggar named Lazarus, who longed for even a crumb from the rich man's table. But the rich man throughout all of his life ignored that beggar at his gate. Both men died, and wouldn't you know it, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man is in torment in flames. And even then, even in that construct, the rich man is still expecting the poor man to do something for him. He cries out, Abraham, come on, send Lazarus to even just dip his finger in cool water and come touch my tongue for I have an unquenchable, an unquenchable thirst. But Abraham says there is a chasm between us and you cannot cross over and Lazarus cannot come to you. In your whole life you received good things and Lazarus was ignored. And so now it's his time to receive the abundant blessing. And this rich man says, well then please send him to my five brothers as a warning so that they don't end up just like me. And Abraham, he says, well, they have Moses and the prophets and if they don't listen to them, then what's Lazarus going to do? Let's face it, on earth you ignored Lazarus. You walked over him. You came out of your gate every day and you did not consider him. What makes you think that your five brothers on earth will pay any attention to a man like Lazarus? You know what? In fact, I don't even think they'll, they'll repent. They'll change their ways even if someone rises from the grave. Jesus foreshadowing his own death and resurrection potentially here. This makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? Especially if we hear this story and think of ourselves as that rich man. It certainly would make us feel uncomfortable. Because here's the truth. We are all like that rich man at points in our lives. None of us are perfect. None of us live altruistically. None of us love and serve everyone in need. And, and there's no doubt that, that we have resources and that often we all are caught up in using those resources for ourselves and we neglect the call to share to others. And if you're hearing this story and you're thinking about yourself like that rich man, it does cause fear and anxiety. But there are others in our world, there are others in our midst, that have identified their whole lives with that of Lazarus. There are people all over the world, billions of people today who are waking up with hungry bellies because they didn't eat last night or the day before. I've been thinking all week long about our partners in Haiti. For those of you that are following along with what's going on in Haiti right now, they're in the midst of a political and social um, upheaval, all centered around a fuel crisis goes back a couple years here, a deal with Venezuela, but the people are caught in between this horrendous system. There's massive protests happening in Haiti. The government is paying people to be a counter-protest. Um, the Haitian good, the dollar, the Haitian good has devalued in three years by 50% 
a currency that was already not worth much at all, 50 goods for a U.S. dollar is now around 100 goods for a U.S. dollar. Their currency is being crippled at the same time that a gallon of gasoline now costs over 6 U.S. dollars a gallon. For the average Haitian who earns less than $400 a year, life is unsustainable. People are dying. Lives are being lost. There are people all over our world, in other places, in our own country, who are struggling, who are yearning for the generosity of others. And so if you're like one of them, you hear this story as good news, don't you? Because your earthly suffering will not be eternal. You will be joined as an heir of Abraham right at his bosom. But how should we hear this? It would be easy to preach a sermon and want to challenge all of us to say, you know what? You're the man in purple linen. You're the man in purple linen. You're the woman in a purple dress, right? And maybe that's a message we need to hear from time to time. The reality is, being born in America means we're born on third base with a 20-foot lead to home. Go to Haiti. Go to a third world country. Go to a developing nation. And you get this profound perspective that we, we in many ways, to the world's standards, won the birth lottery. To whom much is given, much is expected. Or maybe we should preach this whole sermon from the vantage point of the, the, the hurting and the aching, the, the Lazaruses in our world. But as I pressed in this week, I think that maybe our invitation is to focus on this parable as if we are one of the five brothers. One of the five brothers. Jesus told this to wake people up. It's why he shared this parable. Jesus didn't share this parable to damn people to hell or to send people straight to heaven. Jesus didn't share this parable to make people live with fear and anxiety and guilt. Jesus shared this parable to wake people up to the life that really is life. I think in this parable of those five brothers that have Moses and the prophets, consider what we have. The law and the prophets and Moses and the story not only of Christ's teaching and Christ's ministry, we have the story of how Christ conquered the grave, how he came back and defeated death and sin Everything that would demean, fracture, and divide humanity had been swallowed up in the victory of an empty tomb. We have the full witness of our God. So let's wake up, right? Let's wake up to the life that really is life. Wake-up calls are healthy and good so long as they encourage us to live differently. This is the biblical understanding of what it means to repent. You're headed in one direction and you turn to move in another. Every year when we collectively focus on our stewardship, on our generosity, it's a time for us. It's a time for us to do a gut check. Are we living a generous life? Are we living out our faith? Are we embodying the good news of Jesus Christ by living a generous life? Undoubtedly, all of us could do more. 
The goal isn't ever to be perfect because Lord knows we're not capable of that. But the goal of every year in our stewardship as we think about our collective resources, it's to make firm commitments together to say that we are going to put muscle behind our proclamation. We're going to put fuel behind the very thing we believe in, which is that love and life win. And so we share that resurrection story. And we do that with great joy and great passion. And when we do, we discover the life that really is life. I'll never forget my first time in Haiti. A mentor of mine on the trip, the founder of HTF, among saying many things that have stuck with me from the very beginning, he said something one night during devotions that I can't shake. He said, if it's not true, if it's not true for the children in Haiti whose bellies are hungry, then it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. If the words you're saying or the words you're hearing are not true for the women in the central plateau, then it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's something else. It's a do-good, feel-good, be-better message. It's a prosperity gospel. For the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news for the rich and poor. The gospel of Jesus Christ is true for an American and a Haitian. The gospel of Jesus Christ must be true for a suburbanite and someone in Appalachia or the inner city. For the gospel of Jesus Christ is life and freedom and full bellies for all people. You see, the gospel isn't just an intellectual exercise. It's not just the security of our eternal salvation. The gospel of life and resurrection, well, it's physical too. It's physical. It encompasses every area of our lives. It's resurrection from apathy. It's resurrection from hatred. It's resurrection from disdain for neighbor. It is encountering full abundant, eternal life that begins right now. And that's the message we share. That's the word we embody for our neighbors, for our family, and for all of God's beloved children. And when we live in that stream, when we're swimming in that movement with God, we truly see that hope abounds eternally. Hope not just for us, but hope for all people. And church, all means all. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.